Welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. This is Pastor Sam. And Patrick, no compromise with evil Wyatt. Uh, how are you doing today, Patrick? I am doing splendidly. You, you know, something I thought about here, I, I didn't even mess up one time this evening while we're recording these three podcasts <laughs> and uh, us start podcasting without hitting the record button. We normally do that yeah, at least like, once a night. We like to get our practice session and get, get 10 minutes into a conversation and notice that we've just been talking to uh, a dead computer, so to speak. Yeah, and, and it's really unfortunate because most of the time those are generally ones where we have some of the most hilarious jokes. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> So maybe it's God's way of sparing people from our humor. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least we thought it was funny. Yeah, anyway. we thought it was funny, but uh, again, who are we? Yeah. Well, just the funniest people who ever walked the face of the earth. I'm pretty sure of it. Yep. Africa still don't have anything. But looks aren't everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, uh, today we're going to be talking about actually uh, five steps to kill a nation. So we've we've done a podcast on this before. Yes, we did, but it was it was in production. It was imminent to come out, but now we have something to actually show you, which is the Look book at that. is out. It is. And now, when we talked about it before, I had you know I was asking you questions about it. I had not read the book. Mm-hmm. Now I've read the book. Yes, and now you might have different questions. Yeah, like. I can make up different answers, too. I'm pretty good at just making up stuff. So, uh, and, and I do have to show you this, because I think this is important for our readers to realize. You know, oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of a thinner book. Uh, you know, not real thick. You can get through it. Right. Mm-hmm. And now your book that's coming out, now this isn't, uh, we, we don't have one yet, but we're estimating here. Yeah, this is probably going to be accurate. So here, here's, here's Pastor Sam's book. Do you got the other this? dictionary over there I can put onto this? The Webster's Dictionary, oh. yeah. So we're thinking it's going to be more uh, like more like that. More like that. Yeah. So so when we actually show that book when it comes out, we'll, we'll have a Webster's Dictionary that's a real thick one to make my book look smaller so it's not intimidating. Yeah. Well, um, I don't think that's... No, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad either. link to read, but it, no. it, it will be a little thicker than Five Steps to Kill a Nation. But Five Steps to Kill a Nation... Well, and, and actually, I think my chapters are probably going to be longer than most of your chapters. It's just that you've got 27 chapters, 26, 26, 26. and I've got five. So, I mean, that's... But what you do have is very stirring. And I, I mean, I'm not saying this because we're sitting here podcasting. I read this book and, you know, I'm going to... I'm thinking them. you should just break yours into five different books. Yeah. That's <laughs> Make a series, an encyclopedia <laughs> yeah. series. But, you know, I'm reading it and I'm going through these different chapters. And, and I know you have your favorite chapters. And mm-hmm. like chapter three, mm-hmm. you take the issue of, of baby murdering, abortion... Mm-hmm. And you go through it morally, you go through it legally, you go through it ethically, you lay it out there. And I'm sitting there, as I finish that chapter, I'm going, I don't know how anybody that in some way supports abortion as a moral thing, after reading that chapter, I'm thinking there's going to be minds and hearts changed, and and there will should be. You'd have to be a pretty hard heart or just completely closing your mind to what you're going to read because it is so well laid out in, in the the position is so well put, and I, I think it, it was. Is, and of course, I'm pro-life. Obviously, I'm, I, I want to see abortion mm-hmm. abolished. I don't want to even see it regulated. I want to see it abolished. But I was blessed and encouraged by reading that chapter. And there are four other chapters in the book dealing with the yeah. other steps to kill a nation. It, um, so that that was, you know, I was I'd read a chapter and I'd sit and think about it, and then I'd go read another chapter. As I was telling you before we came on, it's mm-hmm. the type of book that 
keeps you reading because it's interesting. It maintains a pace. It doesn't slow down. It doesn't bog down. And it moves you to the next thing. It's kind of like a show you like watching. You want to keep watching because you want to know what happens next. Mm -hmm. And this book draws you along through it. And then when it's over, you're going, right. Actually, Pastor Sam, I wish it was a, a bit thicker. <laughs> yeah. More to read. Oh, that's a lot of typing. Let me tell you. You know, I, yeah, I don't have that strong finger. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got, you know, limp multiple fingers. But, um, you, you, you know, you mentioned chapter three. And I was just actually talking to somebody who had recently read chapter three. Um, the, the, you know, one of the, the most rewarding things, uh, after writing a book, and I, I didn't anticipate this. I didn't. I, I never written a book before. I, we'd contributed to some some chapters to some books, but it's different. What book did we contribute? One book that we're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Social injustice. Yeah, and, we both have a chapter in that book. Yeah, and this is absolutely a, a great book uh, to go into to get uh, if you want to know about social justice. In fact, I use this quite a bit. Um, there are, are just a few books that I use in my uh, study that I kind of keep. I have one shelf. Then I'm like, these are books that I return to and I grab. I'm really looking forward to putting dark and pulpits on that. Uh, but social injustice is one of those that I go to uh, quite often. You know, it's just to quote my own chapter, but no, oh, no, no. Because <laughs> the rest of it's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't read the rest of it, but my but chapter. There are 12 different stuff. authors in this book, uh, so. Uh -huh. Yeah, it actually, um, it's just some incredible authors in here, you know. Uh, one is Brandon House, and he starts off, uh, gives a, a pretty pretty good overview history. Brandon of Worldview Weekend, and Brandon's mm -hmm. been doing this sort of thing for a long time. Marxianity, mm -hmm. grave influences. Brandon's got a lot of great information, uh, in both in book form and video form on his website. Yeah, and uh, Andy Woods, Dr. Andy Woods. Uh, oh, another great guy. Yeah, and he goes over the, scripture. the eschatology uh, of social justice, which is just excellent to go and to look at. And Dr. Mike Spaulding. Um, I'm trying to remember what his chapter is on. I'm thinking. Okay, here's the thing about Dr. Mike. This isn't. This isn't a a a, uh, a knock on this. What I'm saying. I, I can't remember what his chapter was on this. It's that every other time I sneeze, he writes three books, and so I have to. It's, it's hard to keep it straight. And which writing books. of it was? Because they're they're excellent. In, in good books. Yeah. Yeah. You. you uh, we actually did one as a men's Bible study. Went through one of his books. Um, mm -hmm. He's got he's got his finger right on what's going on and has a biblical answer for everything. So, uh, Doctor Mike Spaulding's a guy we we greatly admire. Oh, yeah. Happy to it, call him a friend and recommend his stuff. Yeah, progressive politics in the church is what he goes over, and that is a very good chapter. Yeah, uh, and you got Thomas Littleton, excellent. Uh, Thomas has been a guest on our podcast, I think three times we've had at least uh, yeah Thomas on, and and what a. What a knowledge base! Again, actually, yeah, yeah. He he. That guy, he he does thirty pieces over dot org. If you want to keep up on what's going on, gospel coalition wise, and some of the LGBTQ stuff, mm -hmm. Thomas is really onto that. And uh, another name, a couple names that you might know, uh, Ken Peters, uh, the Church guy who does Planned Parenthood, right? And and I actually quote him a couple times in chapter three that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, there uh, also, um, uh, you're an author here. Uh, Schumann, uh, he's only got shoe. one name, the shoe. <laughs> the shoe. <laughs> uh, uh, has he got a hold of you to get on to go on his podcast? No, not yet. Okay. I, I think he might still be trying to get out of jail, but <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. no, he, he's a Schumann's a, he's a funny guy and he's a sincere guy, and you never know what he's going to say, and that's part of the fun 
but what he says is relevant. Yeah, and you you know he actually uh, I asked him to write an article for uh, we've got a newspaper uh, that our church is putting out. That's that's part of why we haven't been podcasting as much. We've got these other projects going along, and so we need to help get them off the ground. And and it seems like every time we start to do that, because we've been talking about other projects for a year now, um, it, it well, seems the Lord like keeps throwing stuff our way. So right. And I'm really excited that a lot of these have started to get self-sustaining and get some infrastructure down so that we can get back to podcasting. Because we do like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's re- really fun. But, um, you know, Chapter 3, you brought that up. What somebody brought up to me was um, they started talking about that we live in an abortion culture. They said, I never thought about that before. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to tear up here, but... It, where that came from was Phil Haney. Right. Um, Since you said that, that's what I thought of. Uh, and and, and I, maybe I should have, uh, I, he's definitely quoted in, in the book and attributed this idea to him in the book, but I feel like I should have even you know gone after more of how important he was in developing this idea. And of course, Phil um, talked about our culture being desensitized to this because it was uh, just about a year ago. Uh, a little over a year ago, actually, yeah, uh, that he was murdered. Um, it was 13 months ago um, mm-hmm. that he was murdered. And, you know, we've forgotten about it because the pandemic. Uh, you know, the only thing that matters is the statistics of how many people died of COVID today. Um, but Phil, Phil was a mighty man of God. And... Um, Certainly, he's enjoying his rewards in heaven now for the man that he was. Yeah, I mean, don't and, feel too bad for him. He's enjoying heaven right yeah, he's now. He's got better yeah. than we do, but uh, the influences and, and the friendships he made and the impacts he made on our lives, those of us that know him. And uh, that murder, of course, has not been solved. Right. And it not much be. has been said about it. Yeah, whatever. It, it was not just a random act. It uh, Phil needed to be eliminated. Somebody thought somebody in a high you, position. You, you don't shoot was. yourself in the chest twice uh, while committing suicide. And I talked to Phil about his security, and we talked about it. And he told me that you know if something ever happens, uh, don't let him say it was suicide because it wasn't. And so I'm here to tell you that I heard personally from Phil to my face. And Phil had a lot going for him at the time, had a lot to live mm-hmm. for, and he had a lot of plans in his life still. So uh, he's writing he, a book. He was he was about to go on tour with Trevor Loudon. Mm-hmm. He was uh, engaged to be married. His first wife had died of cancer. Unfortunately, we saw Phil his first public speaking after that death, after he mourned his wife, and then uh, it was sometime later that he had found somebody mm-hmm. else to, to get engaged to, and then he was also looking at uh, getting back with the DHS Department of Homeland Security in some capacity in California. So Phil had a lot on his plate, and he knew a lot of things, and obviously he knew some things that they did not want out, and they did not want Phil in a position to be the influence that he would have been. So uh, he was he was sent home to the Lord, and mm-hmm. uh, whoever did that, of course, will be held accountable, so we take solace in that as well. Right. Um, but you had mentioned that you'd read uh, Five Steps to Kill Nation. What, yeah, any questions that come to mind now that I've, you know, it got us think about Phil Haney. <laughs> yeah. No, not not questions because I think as you read through the chapters, there's nothing where I go, I'm, well, I wonder, you know, it doesn't leave me with questions. Um, we look at the, the you know, your, your, your five chapters, your five steps to kill a nation. One, forget God. Two, destroy the family. Three, devalue life. Four, take what is not yours. Five, hate your neighbor. And I think mm-hmm. five is also an interesting chapter in the fact that people don't look at what's going on as actually hating their neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it. sometimes we look at 
a person's feelings is the ultimate standard on how how we should approach that person. So if I say something that hurts their feelings, that means I don't like that person, or I, as you say, I hate that person. To love your neighbor is to love your neighbor enough to tell them the thing maybe they don't want to hear, but they need to hear. Right. Because if your neighbor's on the way to hell, and you just kind of smile and pat them on the back and say, attaboy, ultimately in the scheme of eternity, are you loving them? And I, I kind of wrote an article, that reminds me of an article. Are mm-hmm. you loving your neighbor to life or are you loving them to death? Mm-hmm. And in that instance, they, you, by not telling them what they don't want to hear, or maybe they you know, would offend them or hurt their feelings, um, you're actually now encouraging them along to stay on the same path. You may lose a friend or you may make, you give somebody some hurt feelings, but give, don't, you don't do it in a vindictive way, but give them something to think about. Give them something the Holy Spirit can grasp a hold of in your words to start working on them on the inside. If that person changes, and it's their choice, um, if they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if they're lost, then you've loved that person enough to do these things that ultimately put them on the path to eternal life. Mm-hmm. That's loving your neighbor. Right. Not doing that is, is actually, even though I'm not saying you you hate your neighbor uh, you know, personally, you, some people I know, I've seen families that they, they felt one way about a moral issue and then a, a family member violated that issue and they took the side of the family member. They changed what they believed was right mm-hmm. and wrong to soothe the feelings of their family member, to support their family member. And obviously they love their family member. I'm not saying you don't because you do. But what I'm telling you is when you do that sort of thing, you're ultimately, not, not willingly, but you're ultimately hating that person by not taking the influence you have and the respect they have for you and try to gently bring them back or, or whatever you got to do, whether gently or a little bit harsher, a little stronger love, whatever you got to do to get them out of the direction they're going. Right. And, and you, know, you, you bring this up here in that chapter, chapter five, that's uh, really go over situation ethics and the four presuppositions of situation ethics by uh, Joseph Fletcher. And um, what, uh, I believe that was podcast number 10. That's one of my favorite podcasts we went over that we've went over situation ethics actually so we don't need to go over those again and i would encourage you to actually read the book uh though and you can get that from at the shining light i just realized i didn't even do attack for the shining light ministries.com uh in the previous two episodes we we're having too much fun so we've yeah. been too long <laughs> uh yeah uh but uh one thing i would say that's kind of interesting here is that in chapter five to start off with uh, or early on in the chapter anyway i actually quote this guy patrick wyatt uh in his book darkened pulpits I think that book got banned. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in something, but it just kind of struck me here, because you were mentioning that you actually quote this book in uh, chapter 3 of this book, right? Uh, uh, yeah, in chapter 17 of my book where I'm dealing with the issue of abortion. There's, some, there's a couple of powerful paragraphs. And when you read sometimes, you're going, that's too good for me not to use. Well, and, and it puts across a point. And you know, the neat thing was I, I'd had kind of chapter 17 written. But what you said was just a natural. I didn't have to do anything else. I just dropped it in mm-hmm. in two spots, and it just brings it out even well, more. Well, it, it's just so cool how how God works, and in, in even you know we've we've told the story several times about how the podcast came about, and how God uh, brought us together to do this podcast. Yeah, you know, this is. I, I don't want to say it's the only time because I'm sure you know there's been a lot of books that've been written, but these two books are quoting each other. Mm-hmm. And you know that's it, it's not that rare for one book to quote somebody else, for one friend to quote another friend, and for that other friend to quote him in a different book. But our books are quoting each other the same book. 
like like your dark and pulpits and my five steps kill nation they're quoting each other mm-hmm. that normally never happens because one book has to be published first right yeah so yeah. Um, how would the how would the the first book being published obviously could be quoted from in the second book that's not yet been published right because and, you can read it and put it in there and then maybe the first person goes and writes another book and quotes the second book yeah the, you know something like that but these are two books that were simultaneously being written that quote each other because we were going and uh, sharing with each other. I just thought, you know what, that, that might be the first time that's ever happened in history. I, I, like I said, chances are it's probably happened some other time, but not that I know of. No, I hadn't even thought of that until you brought that up. I'd read it, you know, you sent me an electronic copy before this and actually hit publishing. And I was I was reading through that. And that's, and then of course, then I got the book, but I'm going, that's just, you know, when I see something, if it if it puts across a point, you know, if somebody says something so well, why are you trying to just give them their just dues, put it in there and let people read it? And and you hope in doing so, when you do something like that, you're also shedding some light on some other resources that they need to read. If you're reading your book, they're probably going to be like-minded towards some other things that you're uh, quoting. And, and they need to be introduced to, to Pastor Sam Jones, and they need to be introduced to Thomas Littleton and, and some of these other people mm-hmm. um, that, I, that I quote in my book. And of course, like you too, it's not just people I know. It's it's some of the voices of history, some of the, and of course the Bible. <laughs> right. If you're not quoting the Bible, then what are you actually writing about? That's your standard. Of right. Truth. It, um, probably my my two favorite chapters in this are chapter three. Not probably my my favorite chapters are chapter three and chapter five, but in between that is chapter four, which is on socialism. Take what isn't yours. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing that I really hit on there that I, I don't think that it gets hit on a lot in, uh, and, and I reference uh, this in conservative culture, I guess, is this idea that, you know, socialism, it doesn't work. That gets hit on all the time. You can go turn on Ben Shapiro, you can go turn on uh, yeah, anybody you want to. Okay. I, I don't know why I singled out Ben Shapiro there because I just forgot all the other uh, conservative uh, podcasters. Um, uh, Stephen Crowder. There, I named two people, but um, <laughs> you, yeah, two. Um, you can go and and turn them on, and and they will tell you how socialism doesn't work. In fact, there's a subchapter title: "Socialism is Marxism, and it doesn't work." That's right; it doesn't work, <laughs> and they're exactly right. But one thing that doesn't get hit on a lot is that that's not the real reason why we should shun. Socialism. The real reason we should change social socialism is because it's theft and it's morally wrong, mm-hmm. and because the one who made the moral laws also made the natural laws. Therefore, it doesn't work. Well, again, we realize that Marxism and all the tenets of Marxism—communism, socialism, fascism, Nazism—all these ideas were meant as a replacement for for God, for Christianity, mm-hmm. because Karl Marx was a God-hating atheist, not just as somebody didn't believe in God but militantly so, and wanted to completely devise a system to replace uh, Christian civilization. And that's what he's done, and that's what continues to be done through his ideas. Right. Um, Another one is chapter two. I mean, there's only five chapters, so I guess we'll touch a little bit on each five. We might as well. Yeah. There's only five. Uh, Yeah, there's there's only five. Well, I mean, you've got a conclusion, too, and you've got an introduction, so there's actually Mm -hmm. seven chapters total, but... The, the five steps to kill a nation, obviously, are the five chapters we're talking right. about. Right. Um, 
in chapter two is uh, to destroy the family. And, you know, this is something that uh, when I started looking into this, and, and if I were to go into rewrite this book, and someday I think I probably will do a second edition uh, to this where I think I might add uh, maybe a couple appendixes or something like that, but uh, I, I hope it's not going to be retitled Five Steps That Killed a Nation." And right now, it looks like that might be your next title unless it, things dramatically change. Right, uh, but one thing I I would probably add in would be the education system and its impact on. We, you know, we just talked about that in the last podcast we recorded, mm-hmm. but uh, the education system and how it really hurt the family, um, but it, it, it stole the minds of our children. Uh, that though the the idea of the family i didn't realize how bad off we are in the united states until i started studying that yeah i i didn't either you know it, it couldn't be removed out of it from the from the public education system or the government education system right um you don't see what the kids are being you know you have your mind in in what you were raised with you don't see what the kids today as a matter of routine believe because this is where education's taken them mhm um, you, you know, I you, you mentioned the introduction and the conclusion there, and really, if I were to go to sum up the whole book, but also specifically the introduction and conclusion, uh, I think I could sum it up with one verse, and that's uh, Proverbs fourteen thirty four: Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a mm-hmm. reproach to any people. And that's really the problem uh, that we have forgotten. This we we look at. What are the things we can boast in? In fact, I uh, was just outside of Planned Parenthood today and read Psalm 2. Are you okay if I read that just real quick? I would never turn down scripture <laughs> reading, Pastor Sam. Yeah, uh, Psalm chapter 2, and and I know this isn't the scripture that I quoted that I said summed it up, but I think that uh, Psalm chapter 2 goes and talks quite a bit about this idea of what a nation does, why it rages, and what they say kind of, uh, what their attitude is who have rejected righteousness as a nation uh, and have embraced sin. And it says here in Psalm chapter 2, Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and saying, uh, and against his anointed, saying, Let us break the, uh, their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And what are their bonds or cords? That's God's word, the mm-hmm. things that would constrain them from doing whatever they would like. He who sits in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and you will dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, it does turn into a messianic psalm, uh, eventually, of talking of Jesus, who one day will uh, reign from literally David's throne, and he will go and, and do all this. He is the rightful king. He is that that uh, that, that title and that uh, kingship and, and everything, but he's he's still waiting. He hasn't, he's not sitting on that throne yet. But um, we go and we see this here. Why do the nations rage? It's because they've cast off God's bonds. They've cast off off this, and they kind of like say, we're going to go after you and your anointed. We're going to go and shake our fist at you, God. Well, that word rage, you know, kind of somebody emotionally out of control mm-hmm. and aggressive. Um, yeah, and, and if we're not restrained by the Holy Spirit within us, 
then we're going to have to be restrained by some sort of external force, which would be an oppressive government or totalitarian regime. You know, God will either be ruled by men or by tyrants, and that's that's true. We either have the internal discipline to act civilized, or we give justification to people to lord it over us. It, it, you know, one thing that's kind of uh, so. so in, uh, we talked a little bit about the connection between my book and your book. But one thing, and this just popped my mind. One thing that's kind of sad is, you know, my book is designed five steps to kill a nation, right? It's 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 viewing the nation. Mm-hmm. Your book, uh, and, and I should have put it on here so it could have just popped up on the screen, the cover. But your book goes over. It really is. <laughs> well, um, my friend who passed away, she designed it for me. Yeah. So it's it's kind of special to me. The cover yeah. itself is special. Your book is dark in pulpits. It's mm-hmm. going over the church, and yet we're talking about the same issues. Mm-hmm. Isn't that telling of how sad of a state our churches are in? Yeah, especially when you go back to, to the, we've talked about it many times, what the founding of the nation was, what the laws were, what the people thought, and what the, the writings of the, those that led the nation, judiciary, the legislative, the presidents. Um, that nation was a nation to be admired. And it was a nation that, that garnered God's favor by our obedience and our faithfulness. And the blessings we have today are the fumes of what those people did. And that's how loving God is to reward a nation of people, even past what we would consider something that, that you know that we would deserve. Um, we deserve, of course, nothing but hell, but God gave us an out there. He gave us his son that if we believe on him, he could, his death would take our sins away and we'd be pardoned and wouldn't have to endure that. Now, if you don't believe in Jesus... You're going to be held accountable to that standard, and you've got no way to blame but yourself. Ultimately, this offer is extended to everybody. But yeah, where we were and, and where we've where we've come to, it, it's really it's, it's something to mourn mm-hmm. um, over time. And, and it's more than just a, a nation. We look at it as a concept. It's something to mourn about all the people from that time to this time, the progressive, wider path that more and more of our nation have been taking. And each individual soul that goes to hell is indeed a tragedy. And it, it's it's unimaginable tragedy, the numbers that are going there. And they're already there. And yet, and the numbers are still underway. It's, it's, it, you can't really grasp it. But the fortunate thing is we do have an opportunity to witness to those people. And That's right. We hope that this podcast reaches out and, and does just that and, and other things. Your book, Pastor Sam, and and all the other brothers and sisters out there that are doing their part in whatever God calls them to do, we pray and hope that in truth and, and uh, not some sort of twisting or interpretation is, is so often what we see today that passes for Christian faith. But we do have a calling, each of us. Um, you don't, maybe not always called to be a pastor like Pastor Sam or, or to write a book, but you are called to be influenced with your neighbor and your families. We, we all have lost people we know. And, mm-hmm. uh, whether they accept or not, uh, John Quincy Adams said, Duty is ours, results are God's. And there you go. So that takes some pressure off of you. Do what you're supposed to do and trust God. He'll do what he's going to do. But we are called, and that is part of the Great Commission. If you want to look it up, Matthew chapter 28, Christ himself speaking after his resurrection, right before he ascended to heaven, left us with the, the Great Commission, the command to go forth to all nations and make disciples, teaching them to observe the things which he commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the earth, or the, the end of the age. I thought the Great Commission was going to all the earth and dethrone the oppressors. And that would be... J.D. Greer told me so. <laughs> that's the revolutionary... Oh. Um, our revolutionary God, as Walter Rauschenbusch called him, and, 
which is funny when they, they refer to Jesus as a revolutionary figure, revolutionary God, that indicates that the revolutionary is opposed to the governing authority. God has always been the governing authority. He's not the mm -hmm. revolutionary. Satan is the revolutionary. Right. Well, I think that's about all we got time for, and I, I think we covered it. And, okay. you know, we got to do podcasts more often because uh, I'm definitely getting out of touch with uh, when to hit that outro. <laughs> um, so. But you, you, you haven't missed, you haven't failed this year. Right. Well, uh, go to theshininglightministries.com. Once again, it's theshininglightministries.com. Uh, order your copy of Five Steps to Kill a Nation, also Social Injustice. Uh, be looking for a darkened pulpits to come out. We are excited about that. Uh, but for the Shining Light Podcast, this is Pastor Sam. And happy no compromise of evil white. Have a great day. Yeah.